Hey, little buddies, it's Uncle Rick from the Uncle Rick Audio Book Club. Today's podcast, I will be reading to you from Marion and His Men, or The Swamp Fox of Carolina. This is a wonderful old book written by John DeMorgan, and I think you're going to really find this particular story interesting. It's called Scotch MacDonald. Sometimes comedy plays a part in war as well as tragedy. One day, General Marion was sitting in his room reflecting on the war and its long endurance when his orderly reported that a young Scotchman wished to see him on most important business. Marion had the young man brought in. He felt it would be a diversion and would lead his thoughts away from the anguish of war. A tall, fine-looking Scotchman entered. I am MacDonald, sir, he said proudly as he entered. Had he said, I am King George, he could have not been prouder. The name did not convey much meaning to Marion, who curtly replied, Are you, sir? Yes, I'm the son of MacDonald of Morris Creek Bridge Defeat. It was clearer now to General Marion. He was not over-pleased with his visitor. MacDonald Sr. had joined the British and had been defeated by the Patriots. What could his son want in the camp of the Americans? What can I do for you? asked Marion with cold courtesy. I have been thinking, and I wish to join your army. Indeed. I do, General, and believe me, it is only after much thought. There was such earnestness in the young man's speech that Marion became interested. Your father fought against us. I know it, and because of that defeat I have come to you. Explain yourself, please. MacDonald's hair was red, but his face was crimson. It was unpleasant to have to give reasons for fighting against the side his father had espoused. General Marion, may I be seated? I have walked far and I'm tired. To be reminded of his want of courtesy was not pleasing, and Marion blushed as he bade the stoutly built Scotchman to seat himself. He ordered wine to be brought in and poured out a glass for his visitor. I wish to explain fully, General Marion. When my father and his friends were defeated at the Great Bridge, I asked myself the cause. It was not because they were badly drilled or poorly officered. A better soldier never drew breath than my father. But the cause for which they fought was a bad one. Understand me, General, I mean it personally. My father ought to have considered it a bad cause. Here, said I, are a parcel of my friends, my father among them, who were driven from their native land by the British after the massacre of Culloden. They reached America and received protection. They were hospitably treated. When they told how the Scots had been treated at Culloden, the same Americans would declare that they had been there with their rifles, they would have made the British cry for quarter. Well, General, I thought of this, and I blushed when I remembered that, after receiving the hospitality of the Americans, my father and his friends go and join the very people who tried to butcher them in their own land. Exceedingly ungrateful, interrupted Marion. That is just what I thought and I have come to do what one man can to save my family from such a charge. You are welcome, sir, but I am afraid I cannot offer you a commission. General, I only ask to be permitted to enter your army as a private soldier. Marion became interested in the young red-haired Scotchman and gave him a letter to Major Ori. A week afterward, MacDonald was a sergeant and liked by everyone in the company. One day he overheard Marion say that had he a fleet horse, he would send a messenger to General Lincoln, but that no ordinary horse could cover the distance in time. All is fair in war, thought Scotch MacDonald, 
and straightway he set to work on as neat a trick as was ever performed. Colonel Tarleton was encamped at Monk's Corner, and he had boasted that he was there to stay until every rebel, meaning American, was driven into the sea. Tarleton was a British fire-eater, and he used more bad words in five minutes than any other officer would in a day. MacDonald knew the officer's character very well, and was also acquainted by hearsay with his great love for horse flesh. In fact, everyone knew of that trait, for no horse of any value was safe in the vicinity of Tarleton's camp. Tarleton was a very wicked man who would murder his prisoners instead of just taking them captive. And he destroyed a lot of people's homes just because they weren't loyal to the king. He was, um, he was a war criminal is what he was. About 10 miles away, there lived a violent old Tory, wealthy as Croesus, but miserly, save where the enemy of his country were concerned, and to them he was ready to be generous. Scotch MacDonald had leave of absence and hied him away to the Tory's house. I am Sergeant MacDonald, he said boldly. Brave fellow, so you are the Major's son and as brave as your father. What says Tarleton of the situation? You see, the Tory had jumped to the conclusion that MacDonald was a sergeant in Tarleton's British army. MacDonald declared that the colonel was going to stay until every rebel was driven out of the land. Bravo! Tarleton is the right sort, exclaimed the Tory. He sent his respects to you, unblushingly added MacDonald, and knowing you to be a good friend of the king, he has begged of you to send him a good horse for a charger, and assures you that you shall not be a loser by it. Send him one of my horses, cried the old renegade, his eyes sparkling with pleasure. Yes, Mr. Sergeant, I shall be more than glad to do so. The old fellow fairly danced with pleasure. His wealth was at the disposal of his country's enemies. Is the colonel married? he asked, and Sergeant MacDonald knew what to say, but the generous Tory did not give him time to answer, for he quickly added, If he is not, tell him to come and see my girls. I have the finest daughters in the land, and anyone who will drive the rebels into Jericho can have one of them in twenty thousand dollars, but no rebel shall have one. MacDonald thanked him and said the message should be delivered. God bless his sacred majesty and Colonel Tarleton. Send him a charger. Yes, the very best horse a soldier ever straddled. Aye, that I will. Going to the door, he shouted, Dick, Dick, you lazy varmint, where are you? Coming, master, Dick, I'm here. I've always to split my throat before you'll take any notice of me. Why didn't you come? Sure, master, Dick, come when you hear master shout. Fly to the stable and saddle Salem, do you hear? Yes, master. Salem, did you say, master? Salem, young Salem, look sharp about it. MacDonald was almost afraid of his trick now that it was progressing so well. The old Tory gave him no time for much reflection. You have made me a happy man, sergeant. God bless King George, say I. And as all I have I would give to the king, I will be generous to one of his officers. Have you tasted my peach brandy? No, sir, I would rather not. I... Tut, tut, sir, but you must. It is good to keep out the fog and will prevent you getting the chills. Fine thing, sergeant, fine thing. The old man filled two glasses with a delicious but powerful stimulant, and holding up his glass proclaimed his sentiment. Confusion to the rebels! MacDonald did not drink. He could not endorse that sentiment, seeing that he was one of those who were characterized as rebels. You do not drink, sergeant. It won't do me any harm. Drink, I say. 
I will drink to your honour's good health, exclaimed MacDonald as he swallowed the cordial. Good, your toast does you credit. I am the best friend the king has in this country. Ah, egad, what do you think of him? Dick had led Salem in front of the window. Faith, it is a noble animal, said MacDonald as he looked at Salem. And he was right, for the horse was one of the best bred in all Carolina and came from pure racing stock. Egad, you know a good horse when you see one. Give him to Tarleton with my compliments and tell him I do not grudge him either. The beast is too good for me. Tell the colonel to be sure and come and look at my girls. I will give him some good peach too. Egad, it makes your eyes water. MacDonald almost repented. He wanted to draw out but could scarcely see how to do it. I think, sir, I will tell the colonel to call on you, and he can ride Salem back. Egad, you won't take the horse. You must, sergeant. You ain't afraid to ride him, I know, for nary a MacDonald is ever afraid of a horse. It is raining, sir. So it is. I'll lend you a coat. But breakfast is ready. Come, you are my guest. No excuses. It is all for his sacred majesty, the king. MacDonald had a good breakfast, donned the squire's best overcoat, and bestrode a horse of almost priceless value. With the Tory's blessing, he rode away. But he did not go in the direction of Tarleton's army. As soon as he was out of sight of the Tory's house, he branched off and never drew rein until he reached the American camp, where the horse was admired, and General Marion laughed as he heard the story. "'That is spoiling the Egyptians with a vengeance,' he said. "'It is all fat and war, sir.' "'So it is.' Marion would not accept the horse, and so MacDonald kept him. The sequel to the story was learned from an English soldier who was taken prisoner. On the day after Scotch MacDonald's appropriation of the horse, Salem, the wealthy Tory, went to the camp of Colonel Tarleton. He sent in his name by the orderly, and as the colonel was a very loud talker, he overheard one side of the conversation. "'Who in thunder is he?' asked the colonel. The orderly's answer could not be heard by the anxious Tory outside, but evidently it was not complimentary, for the officer was heard to consign his visitor to the warmest of warm places. Only a minute afterward, however, he was ushered into the colonel's presence. "'Well, sir, and what do you want?' asked the colonel in anything but a pleasant voice. "'I, I hope that—' stammered the Tory. "'Quick, sir, time is precious where rebels are daring. "'Did you—do uh, you like Salem?' "'Don't know him, if that is all you have to ask while you have your answer. "'Salem, the charger, you know I—' "'What charger? Are you drunk, sir, or mad? Which? "'Your sergeant, MacDonald. "'I have no sergeant of that name, that I know at least. "'I—I I sent you the best horse in Carolina yesterday. "'You sent me a horse. "'Yes, Colonel. Salem, a racer, a magnificent charger.' "'It was now Tarleton's turn to stammer and stutter. "'A, a charger?' I never saw one. Sounds. Can he have been taken prisoner? Tell me all about it. The Tory told everything. Not only that he had sent the charger, but that he had given the sergeant some peach brandy and a hot breakfast. And egad, sir, but I told him to tell you that you could have one of my daughters, if so be you were not married. The orderly was called in, commissioned to inquire whether there was a sergeant named MacDonald in the regiment. An answer in the negative, soon forthcoming, Tarleton stormed even worse than the planter. He said his father was at Great Bridge, explained the Tory. Oh, exclaimed the orderly, and at once began to cough and him and haw to hide his breach of military propriety. Well, what did you hear that caused you to forget yourself? asked the colonel. May I speak, colonel? Yes, I command you. 
Scotch MacDonald, sir, when his father was defeated and taken prisoner, joined the Patriots, <coughs> I mean the rebels, and is a sergeant in General Marion's army. Are you sure? Yes, Colonel, it's well known in the regiment. The Colonel looked at the planter, who returned the gaze for a few moments. Then both relieved their feelings by giving utterance to some very colorful language. The Tory had lost a horse which he declared was worth five hundred dollars, and the colonel, who loved good horse flesh, felt he too had lost the splendid charger. As for MacDonald, he loved Salem, and the horse repaid the love, as good horses will. Those who say that horses and dogs have no thought or reasoning powers have but a poor knowledge of those splendid specimens of the animal race. A horse knows every word and appreciates every kind glance of the eye. It loves its owner, if kindness is meted out to it, as much as can anything outside of the human form. Salem soon knew that Scotch MacDonald would sell the coat off his back rather than his horse should be hungry, and he was rewarded by the useful devotion of the animal. To see MacDonald charge would do one's heart good, wrote one of his compatriots. Whether the odds were ten or even twenty to one made no difference to him. He would dash into the thickest of the fight and hew and slash like a very demon. Once he was alone with Major Ori when five dragoons with prancing steeds dashed up to them. Zones, MacDonald, said Ori, here's an odds against us, five to two. By my soul, Major, he replied, and let them come on. There are three welcome to the sword of MacDonald's. Soon as the dragoons were fairly opposite, the two patriots gave them a blast from their bugles, and with drawn sabers broke in on them like a tornado. Their panic was complete. Two were unseated and lay on the road, wallowing, while the other three rode off as fast as they could. MacDonald had little need to urge Salem, for the horse seemed to know what was expected. On he dashed, as rapidly as the Samoon, which sweeps across the desert. Before the three dragoons could reach the town, and they were only two miles from it, MacDonald was alongside them, and with a tremendous swirl of his sword, attacked. Then the guns of the fort began to fire, and MacDonald was compelled to retire. But when he did, he had with him a splendid English horse almost as good as Salem. Here, Major, is an English thoroughbred for you. Spoils of war, you know. Scotch MacDonald fought so fearlessly and with such splendid courage that it became a saying throughout the state when any great achievement attracted published attention or a magnificent act of bravery was recorded, they would say, just like Scotch MacDonald. And there you have the story of Scotch MacDonald and Salem. The magnificent horse donated by a Tory to an English colonel who never saw the horse. And that's it for today's podcast. Fellers and gals, little buddies, it's been a pleasure to read to you, and I hope that you will join me again soon. Remember, always put God first in your life. Be a patriotic American and honor your father and your mother. Hope to see you on the Uncle Rick Audiobook Club soon. So long. Parents, if your kids love today's visit with Uncle Rick, know that they will love the Uncle Rick Audiobook Club. The Uncle Rick Audiobook Club allows access to dozens more stories, both from the Bible and history, to help your kids learn about godly character. Here's what one parent had to say about the Uncle Rick Book Club. 
Uncle Rick products are such a delight to our family. Our kiddos listen nightly to the Bible stories and fall asleep listening to God's word. These Bible audios are such a super reinforcement to what we as parents already teach our children. They provide our kids with a kind, gentle voice, pointing them to obey God and his word. Thank you. That was from Shelly. You can access the Uncle Rick Book Club at UncleRickAudios.com. See you there.